Rusty Quill presents. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Up first, today's public address announcements. Hey, Rifters. I wanted to thank everyone that is involved in making this show. It is such an interesting and different actual play podcast that stands apart from all other actual plays that I listen to, and I think that is very special. After listening, I can say that I am a newly devout Jasonite. I also wanted to shout out the GSD Discord. Everyone there has made me feel so welcomed to the community. It is filled with some of the most kind, talented, funny, and weird folks I have ever had the pleasure to interact with. I am thankful every day for these real cool people. Trademark. Remember, folks, for ye who abandons all friends, abandon all hope. From the book of Chad to 12. Jason saves. Dylan, devout bro of Jason Christ. And by the way, Dylan, thank you for being such a devoted listener. We totally adore you. At least I do. And now, 
Back to regularly scheduled programming. Be advised that this episode of What's in the Rift contains the mention of death and intense binaural sounds. For the best listening experience, we recommend headphones. Previously on What's in the Rift. You passed the first of these... First? Yes. There's a long series of blue tubes, tubes that you've come to see more and more that you've spent time in this world. And there is a series of about 12 to 15 of these things on either side of the 408. It says, face obscured, all passengers must sit straight with hands on wheel or on laps. All right. Anyways, I tell her to sit in my lap and take the wheel. Um, and I'm going to hold the pressure on the gas just you've, the way that I have you've been. You've already passed the second one, and the red flashing light is getting more intense, and the warning flashes again. You've told Victoria to sit in your lap. We're going to pause the actual real-time execution of this, and we're going to do a test here. Okay. Ready. Huzzah. Well, I got a 10 and a 5, so I am good, but I also rolled a 1, and the other was a 2. You do manage to get yourself in a position where Victoria is on your lap and the car has not deviated from a normal driving pattern enough to alert the machines to anything unusual going on here. I'll let you know right now, mechanically, as kind of a peek behind the curtain, you have one more failure before there are countermeasures deployed. Well, hopefully now she's in place and uh, we won't fail again. Tosca, I need to know what you're doing. At this point, since we failed to, I'm going to drop into the floorboard. You pass the third checkpoint, and there's a red flash on your heads-up display again. Shit, 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 shit! You feel the van slowing, almost like an engine brake. There's a new message on your heads-up display this time. In flashing red letters, it reads, Inconsistent passenger count detected. Please slow your vehicle and move to the side of the road. Await authorities. Vicky gets you guys pulled off to the side of the road, but as you're giving a glance in the mirror, you notice that there's a vehicle that looks suspiciously like a a cop car behind you. And as you begin to pull off, it approaches rapidly and starts to pull off into this breakdown lane behind you. Hey there. Quite the uh, party you guys got going on here. What are, you, uh, what are you doing? He looks real suspicious at you, and he takes a step back. Yeah, I'm hitting him with the baton. I, I'm, I'm, hitting, I'm hitting this dude with the baton. So tell me exactly what you're doing here. So I'm going to squeeze the handle as hard as I can. As hard oh as I can. As hard as I can. Oh, wow. Okay. This cop palms your ID and his hand drops to his waist as he takes a step back away from the hood of the car. And you can tell that he's starting to draw something. It's almost as if he's frozen in place. And it's a fraction of a second. You see the life in his eyes just evaporate. The Koyos machine closest to the car does something that you haven't seen before. It starts to retract. You can see the machines on either side of the road collapsing in a similar pattern. 
almost as if they've triggered from this one machine and now are propagating out in a wave pattern. And Victoria awkwardly cranes around to look at you and says, Well, this is about to get real, real interesting. What's in the Rift is intended for mature audiences. This show includes death, drug use, criminal activity, and a consistent undercurrent of existential dread. Any children discovered listening to this show will get the hammer. The face that you see staring back at you from the man just outside your door is Tosca's face. This is a man of Tosca's build. This is a man with the same faint wave to his hair that Tosca has. This this is Tosca. Helen squeezes your shoulder. Court, hey, is everything okay? Everything okay? You still with us? Oh uh, yeah, though I'm, I'm fine. Just um, I think I may have gotten uh, up too fast from the chair. You know, like how like the blood rushes to your head, uh, and like you like your vision narrows. Do you do you need a chair? Uh, we can get you a chair if you want. Oh no no I'm good I'm 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 stabilized now I uh oh, you'll know how it is it, it comes on it goes away you're ready to go and just, let's uh let's 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 go let let us move forward away from where we are right now uh sure she keeps her arm on your back and she walks you through this hall you can hear two sets of footsteps behind you following you wherever Helen is currently leading you. As we're, like, walking, I want to try to break up some conversation. I just want to, like, try to drop a couple sentences that I believe Tosca would react to and tell if there's any, like, different steps with, like, rhythm of the movement behind me. Sure. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't know Tosca very long. That would have saved you from a wrench. 
that's what I'm actually going to be focusing on is I'll be mentioning like a new book I, I read called It's Robin Time. And the main character has like three tied together milk jugs, like two gallon ones uh, <laughs> as an arm. And I'm just trying to see if there's any kind of slip up behind me. Okay. I'm going to give this a base roll. We're not including crisis dice in this or anything. Build me a dice pool, though, for, for doing this. It's going to be a D6 challenge. You've got to be kidding me. I rolled two sixes. So that's a 12. Okay. Uh, well, I'm definitely using something as watching because I'm literally relying on someone watching me. I want to use my relationship with Tosca on this one because I'm trying to draw from experience we've had in the past to compost disinformation. I buy that completely. I would like to use Scoundrel in order to convey a message in normal conversation. Okay, I like that. I think that would be it, actually. I don't think anything else applies to that. All right, here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that is a seven and a one on one of the die. So there's no effect die that can... This is just a, a straight failure. I, I don't think that there's any... <sighs> Court, as you're walking and telling this kind of circuitous tale to Helen about a book that you've read recently and dropping in these lines that you are hoping to elicit some reaction from this man who looks exactly like Tosca, you almost get distracted by your own story and trying to weave together something that sounds plausible to the point where it's difficult for you to really give equal investment to paying attention to the footsteps behind you. Before you have a chance to really discern whether there's any change in pattern or any other indicator that this is someone that you know, Helen pats you on the back and says, Court, I have to say, you'll have to lend me this book. It sounds absolutely wild. We're here. Uh, step inside, and I'll ask our friends here to wait outside, and then we can start talking. Definitely, that that works for me. And Court's going to turn around to the people behind. Thank you for escorting us. <laughs> you get no response out of either one of them. Oh, this is super awkward. Uh, and Court heads inside. Helen follows in behind you and closes the door. She motions for a seat on the other side of a desk, and she sits down on the opposite side where there's another yellow-sided terminal. And she flips open a little book, pulls a pen out of the drawer, and she smiles and says, So, do you remember how our individual therapy sessions go? Oh, um, what? No. No, not at all. I'm, I'm so sorry. She jots down a note. No, it's perfectly okay. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, and that's okay. We don't judge whether you do or don't. Court, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things you experience and how they may relate back to your cultural aphasia, okay? Okay, this is going to sound really awkward, and I swear I do read a lot of books, um, but what does aphasia mean? Um, so aphasia is the inability to draw forth something from your brain. It comes from a term that has, well, at least medically, has been associated with strokes or other traumatic brain injuries that prevent them from being able to communicate 
in a way that they want to. Cultural aphasia is a little bit different than that. Do you not remember this part, Yiddish? Um, so I would like to tell you I totally do. Um, but unfortunately, that would just be me lying right now. It's all right, Courts. Uh, this is not the first time we've had this conversation. Oh, that's alarming. <laughs> Court, uh, cultural aphasia is what's been affecting our world for the better part of this uh, iteration. It's a pandemic, a, a plague, if you will. It affects some more than others, but it's been affecting everyone these past few years. People like yourself, mm-hmm. people with unique cases where they fail to reintegrate in the way that we would hope them to, well, we have you here as part of a volunteer study. You're here to help us better understand what the root causes of this may be. Our hope is that by continuing our observation and um, care that we can find a way for all of this to stop. Okay. Does any of this bring anything back for you? Um, so, a bit. I don't know if this is... So while I was out, I saw someone uh, have a full breakdown talking about memories and stuff. Um, on, like on the sidewalk when I was in a park. It would be like that. Like, it was hard to understand what they were talking about. Um, but there were something about their life and stuff. Is, is that what is happening to me? Sure, Court. There is a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. Despite the world around us suffering from what we've been calling cultural aphasia, you and um, others like you seem to be in a persistent state of that. <clears throat> The frame of reference you have on this world is very, uh, very different than the one that the rest of us are left with. Mm-hmm. We are all hoping that you, you and people like you, can help the rest of us understand what's going on. Okay, that makes sense. Um, then can I therapy you a question then? Because... Right now, I am in that memory set of the frame you are talking about. So my memory of what is going on, like, in my normal life here is kind of skewed, I'm guessing. Um, can you tell me about me, then? Courts, I hate to say it, but I know more about you and people like you than I would care to admit. I spent a long time trying to understand you, and a longer time trying to fix these things. I... I think deep down we're all just jealous of your... persistence. The world is like a wave, but you managed to be a rock on the shore somehow. But... what would you like to know? We really only know you from your time in the facility, other than that, what you've told us. Mm-hmm. Would any of those information help you, Courts? I think it would. Like, milestones, uh, stuff important to me, 
um, problems I've had, stuff like that, I think might help jog memories. Okay. From what I can best recall, the first time we brought you in, you had shown up on the side of the road in Nevada. You were separated from your group. I believe you said it was a circus. Um, You'll have to forgive me, Court. Most of this is second-hand information. There was a man there who found you in a very rough state. Flagging down cars, he took you in his truck to police station in Welcome, Nevada. They turned you over to us per protocol when you started acting unusually. Does any of this sound familiar to you at all? Uh, part of it does, yeah. Okay, I do know that the term Skinwalker appears multiple times throughout your file. In fact, that may have been what made you so agitated. Ah, yes, here it is. The man remitting to custody states that the subject has gone on at length about a Skinwalker, Pursuing her through the deserts. Uh, Wart like visibly shivers for a moment. Uh, I let's say I remember that. <laughs> You've been in number of UCRI facilities since that point, Court. You were first in Richfield, Utah, and then later in Chicago under the direction of Dima himself. You and I have worked together previously here in Manchester. Subject has shown a preference for working with one Dr. Kutuju and has affinity for her company. We can use this and never mind that. I'm afraid that most recent bout of cultural aphasia has affected me somewhat as well. Um, My reintegration hasn't fully taken just yet, I suppose. You've been at UCRI for a number of years now, Court. Okay, but I escaped? Yeah, well, um, kind of. Uh, Jeff outside in the hall, he's new. Well, I don't know for certain if it was him, but there was an improper procedure followed. Certain portions of this facility were left unsecured, and... It wasn't just you who escaped, though. (laughs) We lost most of the ward, is my understanding. And of course, this happened in almost perfect timing with the most recent event. It seems that all of you uh, get brought back to that moment. That moment where your first... um, Your aphasia first began. Oh. And things tend to get chaotic then. It would seem this time we lost all of you. Oh, wow. How did, how did I end up in Florida? That's what I was hoping you would be able to tell us. You don't recall how you ended up in Florida? You have been very level with me, so I'm going to be leveled with you. Um, I do have memories of how I got to Florida. But they're different than the memories here, if that makes any sense. It's the framework you are talking about, those memories. Would that help? Okay. Hmm. Possibly. Why don't you tell me what you know? Uh, so, um, I hitched a ride, although I was, oh gosh, where was I? I know I was in the, like, the, like, the central part, maybe a little bit more west, 
of the country, and I managed to get quite a few different uh, rides all the way to Orlando. It took me several days, but it was pretty fun. I met a man named Jake. Um, he is a trucker. Has some family problems at home, but honestly, not a bad guy. He just really needs to learn to listen to his kids instead of just talking at them. But uh, so I got down there after a little while. I stopped to buy a twisty treat for a bit, which was nice. And then I was in Orlando. Is it possible that the central part of the country was actually Tennessee? I mean, very easily. Um, I never really paid much attention to like state lines or anything like that. I miss Welcome to like Utah like crazy. Someone has to point it out to me. So, I, I mean, I'm so used to traveling that, I mean, all that area just kind of meshes together for me. So maybe. I think your fuzziness on things as big as states may belie your memory a little bit, wouldn't you agree? I would tend to believe the memory of Jake is real, though. You seem to... Um... You you seem to remember quite a bit about him. Oh, I like people. Can you tell me a little bit more about Jake, maybe? Oh, yeah. Um, so, from the looks of it, like what they gauge, because we were in the car together for a while, uh, and then we stopped by and got a burger, which was really good. He treated me, and I I was so thankful. Okay. It's like a little bit of like a heavier set man, uh, probably in his like mid to late 30s. Mm. A little over six feet, I'm guessing. He had really gentle eyes. I remember that about him. Mm -hmm. um, and his eyebrows were a little bit bushier for his age, so it made him look like he was a grandpa, like when the light hit it just right. It was very funny. Mm -hmm. Soft-spoken, um, but just generally kind of confused by people, um, if that makes any sense. Yes. I always wanted to yes. understand and connect with them, but just really couldn't easily. Courts? Did you travel with anyone else to where you went? I uh, mean, besides Jake? Oh, yeah. Yes, besides Jake. Um, was there anyone, maybe, um, from this facility with you? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure who is from the facility. Like, the people in, like, the, uh... Like the suits and stuff from the vans, you mean? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Courts, can you come around the side here and take a look at the screen? I would turn it, but it's very heavy. Oh, no, that's fair. Come, take a look. Court walks over to the other side of the desk. Court, you see on this terminal screen... A set of four other pictures. Oh, is this going to break doctor-patient confidentiality? Helen, should I not be looking at this? No, no. Court, I think for the purposes here, it is very important that you do look at this. Do you remember any of these people? On the screen, you see a photograph of Bruce, a photograph of Jenny, a photograph of Jackie, and a photograph of Blanche. Uh, no. Are these, like, people that are part of the facility? Like, are they... Like, do they work here like you, Helen? Mm, no. No, Court. Uh, that... They, they, they don't... Oh. They don't work here with me. Um... Go ahead and... 
go ahead and um, take your seat again, please. Okay. Hello, could you tell me about those people then? Like, you said they're from here, so I'm guessing they're like me. I would love to court, but... About nine and a half hours south of you, by way of car, there is a dead cop on the side of the road. And the retracting Koyos machines. And a woman sitting in your lap, Jenny, who has just informed you that things are about to get interesting. Jenny, I think I fucked something up. <laughs> you think? Real talk. You just murdered a fucking cop. Are you crazy? Yo, no, that was going nowhere good for any of us. So I just did everybody a favor. Now, this new situation is maybe less. Yeah, but now look what happened. But we have one less cop to deal with. So I- you're sitting here going back and forth and... As you're speaking, there's a drone rising in your ears, and it sounds like hundreds of engines breaking at the same time. Looking up from underneath the hood at the front of the car, Bruce, you notice that every car that you can see on the 408 right now is slowing to a halt. Jackie, do you see this? Jackie, you see the exact same. It sounds like every engine in at least a mile radius of here has been arrested and is now engine braking on the road. Mickey, what's happening? Whatever it is, it's not good. Those things are there specifically to monitor for activities against the state or UCRI. It's not going to end well for any of us. So find a way to get this thing moving. We have to get out of here, or I'm going to be jumping over the guardrail there and taking my chances with the drop to the ground. How far up are we? So, could should I don't know if this would at all work, but would it be a reasonable idea to try to use the baton to shock the device that's holding the engine in place? I encourage you guys to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> as far as how high up you are, if you were going to guess, Jenny, you'd say you're probably anywhere from 15 to 25 feet. It's very difficult to tell, though, from on top of the road without going to the barrier itself. About like a second story. Yeah. Maybe third story of a building or something. Somewhere between the second and third story. When you look out to the right, you don't see any front doors is the easiest way that I can put it to you. Anybody have anything we could pry this off with inside the car? I'm just going to shock it with the baton. Let's try the shocking and then maybe a couple of... Yeah, worked on that, dude. Yeah. it's <laughs> a good point. You get out of the car, Tosca. Tell me how you're doing this. I'm just going to, you know, put the end of the stick... Wait. Wait, what? Wait. Everybody get out of the car. Don't touch the car while he does this. Yeah, that's probably a great idea. Victoria looks distressed, but she does get out of the car with the rest of you. Okay, hurry. Okay, so I'm just going to put the end of the uh, baton to whatever that clamp device is and try to hit it. Not heavy, not what I did to the cop, but like a light, friendly tap. You're using <laughs> caution now? <laughs> yeah, because this is, uh, uh, it's all about our survival, right? Doesn't want to fuck up the car. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I guess, tell me what you're hoping is going to happen here, Tosca. I'm hoping that I can short the thing out. 
is what I'm hoping happens. And it'll just stop working and we can leave. Okay, and how are you going to determine if it's successful or not? If it, like, unclamps? You described it as a clamp, right? So if I shock it and it... I said that Bruce thought it might be a solenoid or some mm-hmm. other thing. But there's there's no mm-hmm. physical clamp that you've seen. Though. Oh, right, right, right. My intention is to mm-hmm. short it out and make it stop working in whatever form that takes. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay. How many plot points would it take to make this work? <laughs> yeah, like I, I have plot points. I will pay them. How many are you willing to spend? I will spend two to make this work. Okay. Then I won't do any sort of rolls on this. If you spend two plot points, this will work. Okay. Then that's what I'm doing. I, I can I can okay. cover one of them. You rock. Can cover one. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So me and Bruce both just spent a plot point. So you drop this baton and you press it to this device and you give it a relatively gentle squeeze, at least in comparison to the absolute wrenching squeeze that you gave it before jabbing it into that cob. There's a sound that accompanies it. It's a hiss, an arcing sound almost, but there's also a thunk, almost like something is retracting violently back into a housing. Jenny, will you rev the engine to see if the shit's working? You want me to get back in the car? Try and murder me now, too? Potentially. Um, yeah, I'll get back in the car. You get in the car, Jenny, you press the button, nothing happens, you remember that you have to blow into this fucking interlock device again, you blow into it, you press the button, and the engine springs to life. Hell yeah. However, Uh. that same hissing arc that you had thought was coming from your baton hasn't stopped, even though the device underneath the hood had clunked back into place. And there is <laughs> there is a, a building tone on the air of electricity arcing. Josh, we gave you plot points. You can feel it on your skin. Uh-oh. All of us? All around you, every one of you, the sensation that you are near an exposed current. Get back in the fucking car now. I hurry to the car. Well, I'm already in the car. In the car. All of you pile back into the car. As you close the door, Blanche, you look out the side window and you notice that the cop lying on the ground, his clothes are smoking. Oh, no. Now the radio, which has since turned back on, is garbled and there is a shout of static on it every second, almost in like a rhythmic pattern. The intervals between these bursts of static are getting closer. And Victoria leans over to you, Jenny, and she says, Fucking floor it! Go! Now! You depress the accelerator all the way. This is going to take a a feat of driving. Because all around you, cars have slowed to a stop on the highway. And the glowing tops of those Koyos machines peeking over the guardrails are awful distracting. Tosca, seatbelt! As you're driving through this mess of cars, you can catch glimpses of people through their windows. And almost universally, people have their legs pulled up onto the seats 
as if they're crouching down in an old school nuclear safety video beneath their school desk. That's what I was just thinking of. <laughs> yep. Watch out, kids. There's a nuke coming through. Get under your desk. You'll be safe there. Except they're all in a fetal position almost in their car seats. As you look back, Tosca trying to respond to Bruce being the nerd he is, telling you to buckle up, you see Robert doing the same. You guys get in the fetal position. Look at everyone else. I will not do that. I will with one leg. I'm going to do that thing where, like, I actually drive like this sometimes. Where <laughs> I'll, like, have, like, the my left foot up on the seat, but I'm Patty, using you my are other. you not one of those people, are you? <laughs> I'm absolutely one of those people. Only on, like, long drives. Or, or oh, if there's wow. a spider in the car. I've done this before. I'm not even joking. I have done this. Where there was a spider in my car, I had to go. And so I literally had my left foot on the seat, and my right foot was floating. I didn't touch the ground with it because fuck that spider down there somewhere and I was literally like driving with the tip of my toe arms in <laughs> Jenny's doing that basically as if there is a spider down there um, she's got her foot up she's trying not to like touch the door or anything and her right foot is floating just pushing the gas and stuff this is going to be a d12 test this is going to be for you specifically Jenny navigating you out of this mess of stalled cars on the 408 trying to get out of the remainder of this inclusion zone for these Kleos machines you don't know for certain but you have to assume that getting clear of these machines puts you in a better state than if you are not I would agree with that you have to beat a 15 Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus, man. It's a D12 test. I only rolled the 2D12. I do not have any crisis dice associated with this. It's a 10 and a 5 on the dice. All right. Well, let's see what we can do. I'll take my distinction. I suppose we'll do flirted with death for obvious reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to use my relationship with my dad because he taught me how to drive. All right. Aw. That's sweet as fuck. (laughs) It was very sweet. Well, because my mom wasn't around because he fucking killed her. That's less... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's realism. For my values, I think I'm going to use pragmatism because obviously doing the pragmatic thing, trying to get us out of there. Trying to think if, if there's a way I can swing spiritualist. I don't... I'm not thinking of anything. Oh, look at that. The last sentence. They may use this connection to mysticism as a reserve of inner strength to get themselves through trying situations. Ah. I would think this qualifies as a trying situation. I would agree. All that energy into your right foot. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, to, to be real, there is, with her background of what she's interested in spiritually, the idea of trying to remain calm to make good decisions while driving like a fucking maniac to get us out. Like, that does require you to stay calm and kind of, you know, channel your innerness. I would agree. You're going to need some zen to get you through this, and this is, uh, this is like a last action hero moment for Jenny, so... I wish we had some more categories I could pull dice from, because I feel like four isn't enough. A 15? <laughs> you can use your, your plot points to add a d6 I don't have to any because I got scared the last time. Okay. But this time, there's like actual lives on the line. Okay. I think that's it. I'm scared to roll them though. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's not going to win. I have a five, three, three, and a two. Damn it. So eight. Yep. But no 
Hey. <laughs> <laughs> take the wins where we can get them. Yeah, I'll take. Well, this one's not going to be a win. Jenny, you, you press your foot as hard as you can, and you flatten that accelerator to the floor of this car, and it fucks. Victoria, despite Bruce's protestations, is crouched behind you and just slamming her hand. Go, 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 go! As if the impact will somehow drive the car forward faster. And you begin to weave through the traffic, or the obstacles moving more at this point because none of them are moving. And you're making it. You're almost there. You're within no more than two more of these Koyos machines. And Victoria is almost excitedly yelling out. Yes, yes, you've got this. You're going to make it. I don't got it. And that's when it discharges. I hate you so much right now. Wow, Josh. Wow. Okay, can I can I literally read you my notes here? Once outside of the inclusion zone of Orlando, the rest of the drive to Manchester is largely uneventful. Victoria <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, can we stop and get burgers? <laughs> if they all took Jenna's SUV, they can all be in the same vehicle. So. This has been What's in the Rift. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to rate and review on your favorite podcast platforms. If you really enjoyed our show, you can support us directly via Patreon or join our Discord. Both links can be found at whatsintherift.com. What's in the Rift is brought to you by Gas Station Drugs.